Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning Podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning Podcast. I'm Marion Rose. And I'm Joss Golden. And we are so delighted to be here. And since this is just our second episode, we thought we might talk about how aware parenting and natural learning fit together so beautifully. And they're like a a beautiful marriage in a way. So we thought we might share some of the ways that we see they fit together incredibly beautifully. And I'd love to start with having a conversation that I had with Alita a little while back when I said to her, Joss and I are thinking of doing this podcast. I always like to run things past her and see you know, if she's comfortable and willing because where parenting is her baby. And I so respect that. And she was so supportive of it and so encouraging. And she referred to her beautiful aware parenting principles of learning. So if you haven't seen those, we really recommend you have a look at those. They're on her website. If you go to awareparenting.com and look at her articles, the aware parenting principles of learning are there. And she was saying, you know, remember those principles of learning and how so many of those are supported in a more homeschooling environment. And actually, as we were discussing that so many mainstream schools actually don't support those principles of learning. And what we'd love to say as a preface that, as always, we have deep compassion for all of us living in this culture where school is the norm. So if you are sending your child to school, you know, this is not about judgment of anybody. And also equally, if you're if you are practicing natural learning, to also really acknowledge that it can be really hard to practice this in a culture that's not supporting it. So for us, it's more about giving the information so that we can all have more compassion for ourselves whilst doing whatever it is that we can do to our utmost. Yeah, yeah. And these principles of learning, of course, apply regardless of where your child is being educated or, or where they're spending their time at school or whether they're spending their time at home. The same principles of learning apply. So just having an increased understanding and awareness of these principles will be helpful, hopefully, for people regardless of what they're choosing to do with their children so Mm, I love how you articulate that Joss I'm actually thinking we could almost run through them and pick out uh, some of them can we We start with number one all children are born with a desire and the ability to learn which again is so different from some school environments isn't it it's and often as we can see that journey that happens often and I remember that for myself that we may start off really loving learning but if we experience painful experiences in relation to learning, and of course, if we don't get to heal th- from them in the ways that where parenting supports through crying and raging and attachment play, that increasingly that natural innate desire to learn, to, to follow things that we're interested in, to get competent at things can get replaced by fear or reluctance or avoidance. If we've been tested, if we've been told that you know we're getting it wrong, if we've been shamed, we've been judged. Of course, or we've been forced and coerced to learn things we have absolutely no interest in. Of course, we're going to have all kinds of feelings which are actually going to get in the way of us wanting and being connected to that natural innate desire. Yeah. And those accumulated feelings definitely get in the way of our children being able to learn because they are, especially if they're in a school environment where they have to either dissociate from those feelings in order to keep them in, in which case they're also dissociating from other things that are going on around them, 
or if they're responding in the other way with more sort of an aggression or a more of a sort of hyper aroused type way of of responding to those traumas and those feelings of trauma inside their body and that was definitely how I responded in my school years and that was like constantly running around getting in trouble being naughty just this constant activity in order to suppress feelings and then of course the consequences of that in terms of my capacity to learn and also in terms of how I was then treated by the teachers and labeled as a naughty child all of that really got in the way of me being able to learn and to be comfortable and relaxed and calm and able, uh, open to learning. Yeah, so so here, gosh, so we were so different. I really went the dissociation route. So I was just like, don't talk, don't say anything, just gaze out of the window, do what I was told. But then it's like I wasn't there almost. And in terms of being able to learn, it's very hard to learn when you're dissociated. And I also remember having so much fear and terror, like in tests, just really often doing really terribly in tests because there was a whole added layer of fear and the fear of being judged and all of that. And they, they're really not conducive environments to learn within. And in comparison, when we think about natural learning to really actually support children to actually stay connected with that natural innate desire to learn things that they're interested in, to just be able to follow those interests, to be able to spend days and days and weeks and months completely immersed in one thing that they really love if they want to do that. It's so different, isn't it, from... I don't know how long the chunks are now, but it used to be, I think, 45 minutes of like one thing. And then it's like the bell goes off and, okay, move, get get your bag, go to another classroom to actually be able to immerse yourself, even if you were interested in it. It was was quite different, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think the more that we understand and trust the process and really grasp that our children are born with the desire to learn and with the, the ability to learn how Aletha describes that so beautifully. And the more we can remind ourselves of that when we're having moments of doubt, when we're doing natural learning, the easier it is to stay connected to that trust. And then the more trusting we are, the more beautiful the process is. And the more our worries and concerns that perhaps our children don't have that ability or have lost that ability or whatever, don't get in the way of us being able to support our children. And I know that, you know, for me at home doing this natural learning, the most lovely times are the times when I deeply felt that. I really embodied that sense of trust. Yep, my kids have got this. They know how to learn. They want to learn. They're motivated to learn. And the hardest times were the times when I doubted that or I somehow put those doubts or pressures or worries onto them in in the way that I responded to them. So, yeah, I think just keep coming back to that first point is so helpful, so helpful in this process to stay connected to that, that deep trust and that knowing that, yep, they, they've got it. They know how to do it. They're born knowing how to do it. And we've seen it, like we see it from the moment they're born, that they learn all these incredibly complicated and difficult skills and all this amazing knowledge about the world without any instruction. And so it's you know, getting away from that idea that learning is the result of teaching, which is what the school system and the culture sort of indoctrinates into us all and to realize that actually learning is is a natural inevitable part of i suppose of being alive of being a human being yes i love that i love that and it's interesting isn't it how uh, in our culture how there's certain things that are seen that's kind of just trusted yeah every child or most children you know of course unless they have some other ability they will learn to walk for example they'll learn to talk all of those things there's something happens where we 
that the culture doesn't believe that that is the same process often for more things like reading and writing and so on. And I remember for me, I don't really know exactly why it was, but that that line, that apparent line just dissolved away when I observed my children both learning to swim. They both learned when they were like three, four, and we have a pool, which I'm so grateful for. And I just saw them suddenly just going, yeah, we really, we really want to learn. And we're at the stage now and we, they just wanted to go in and they just kept going and they kept going that in terms of that desire, they were like, yeah, we really, really, really want to. And they just learned. And there was something about it, even though it was still a more of a, you know, really bodily based thing rather than more cognitive. I just really, really got it. Oh my gosh, this is the same. This is the same for all forms of learning. They just, they want to, they can do it and they will be able to do it. And that was part of the my kind of deconditioning and increasing that trust in that desire and ability to learn. Yes, I saw the same. I love how you described that. I saw that with my children too, around swimming as well, actually, and around the feelings getting in the way. And I know that my son had some fear around the water. And I remember the moment that like, we went with attachment play because of this beautiful parenting. And we played lots of games around the pool and he pushed me in with all my clothes on and my brother as well to <laughs> holiday with them. And we did this beautiful play where my brother and his children and myself and my children were all together and we were they were pushing us in. And yeah, we were pretending to be outraged and got out and chasing them all and, and that just shifted so much of this fear around around the water and then that was it they were both off and in fact yeah Jada was swimming really very young as a result of, of having that beautiful experience and yeah there was no no pushing they just found their own way there and I also want to just say something about learning and about how again reminding everybody about how with natural learning we're really seeing that all learning is valuable. And so I think part of the reason why we hand over responsibility for learning to school is because we think that what is in the curriculum is, is the most important thing for our children to be learning. And that's what learning is. Whereas when they're home, we see all different kinds of learning going on. And we see that they might be, you know, learning lots about music because they love listening to music or learning lots about growing plants because they love being in the garden or learning lots about social interactions and about how humans communicate with each other and about compassion and listening and all those sorts of things by hanging out with people. And so all of those things are seen as equally valid and therefore home is the right place to be exploring it all. But if you really just see learning as, as being those subjects that they teach at school, then of course it's inevitable that you would hand over the responsibility and understand or be led to believe that school is the best place for them to be doing that. So it's such a different perspective. It is so different, isn't it? And it really, there's something as well that even that categorizing of things into subjects that, that also again separates us in some way from that whole learning experience. I remember even reporting to the board of studies and differentiating out history and geography and actually just over time incredibly found that incredibly hard I'm like well, but what is this and where does it fit in and most things are, that actually are lived life experiences fit into about five different categories yeah. at the same time and I always used to be like oh this is this is English oh and it's maths and it's uh and it's science and it's this and it's that because you know life isn't split up into discrete subjects like that so there's that whole process that happens in those more schooly environments that really doesn't see the interconnectedness of of lived experience where when we are engaging in life and following and listening and and learning in those natural ways and natural learning 
that they're embedded within our day-to-day experience. And I think there's even research now, isn't there, about how the, I think actually that's been around for a long time. I think I learned that even my psychology degree, you know, the state in which we learn something that we're going to remember that again more, we're in that same state, you know, yeah. that, these, that these learning facts is not just a thing that just happens, you know, we're, when we learn facts. We're learning that within the context of the environment we're within, how we feel, whether we're choosing to do that. You know, it's it's so embedded in this kind of gorgeous richness of interconnectedness. And I think natural learning really supports that just natural, you know, to us to stay more connected with that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that expression that you just used about that interconnectedness of that lived learning experience. Yeah, I totally see that. And I think it's interesting at school that it's so much of the learning is about learning as a means to an end. So learning to pass a test, for example, or learning because that's just what you have to do that semester, because that's what everybody in the country is doing at that age. Whereas learning at home is, is just much more of this ongoing and organic experience of just learning through being alive and it's not in order to do anything necessarily and it's certainly not in order to meet anybody else's expectations it's just a it's almost a byproduct really of of living it is isn't it it's a byproduct of living I often find that don't you when talking to people who've sent their children to school and then they've taken their child out of school and they say you know what do you do and and just like often say things like well how about, you know, when you're on holidays, what are the kinds of things you do? And just, do you want to just start there and just do what you do when you're on holiday? When, you know, in between school terms and just see actually that that natural rhythm that evolves, which is so different for each family as well. Again, so different from that kind of more standardized to actually each family is going to do this in different ways. Each family's where parenting and natural learning journey is going to look really different. Mm. Yeah. And it requires this deep trust again and a lot of work to decondition. And that's that whole de-schooling thing that is recognized as being a process that you have to go through as, as part of this, gradually getting more awareness that there are other ways of doing this and that this school at home isn't isn't the answer necessarily for you, unless that really resonates for you, of course, but that it's a it's a deconditioning, a long deconditioning process. It took me a really long time. Yeah, it did for me too. And I, I'm sure I'm still in that process because I think it's huge. I think it's not only long, I think it's huge, the, the deconditioning. And the further along I go on the journey, the more I realize how conditioned I was. And again, I remember bumping into people in shops and they'd be like, oh, I could never do homeschooling because, you know, my I just my child would just never do what I told them to do. So again, if it, it doesn't work often, I mean, again, it does for some people, and if it does for you, that's wonderful. But in terms of translating what happens in school to home, it's it's a completely different experience, and it is so much more about that lived life and actually just really valuing. And I, I think that's what our culture doesn't do, does it? Valuing the preparing of the food and the caring for the home and the caring for each other and the conversations and just those things that appear to be the bits in between and if you think about a uh, culture aren't they they're the bits that happen at the beginning of the day they're the bits that get squashed into the lunchtime <laughs> at the end whereas in with aware parenting and natural learning if we have that time to actually see that those become the so much of the richness is the is the creating of the meals and the going and doing the shopping or having a veggie garden or that becomes so much of the richness of the lived journey yeah. 
Yeah, and that allowing our children to stay really connected with what they love and what they don't love and to be really flexible about how how they spend their time and what they choose to do. And this idea that we're really moving away from the homogenous, everybody at school needs to be doing the same thing. Everybody at school needs to be at the same stage. You know, everybody needs to be learning the same subjects and having the same experience. I understand where that comes from and why there is this curriculum in place, but it really ceases to make any sense at all when you take your children out of that and the curriculum just becomes completely irrelevant because it's it's irrelevant. (laughs) It becomes clearer and clearer over time, doesn't it? Like, how could we imagine that that would work? Like, for so many children, like, who are going to be, most children have been uninterested in a lot of things, aren't they? Unless, you know, some children, of course, are interested in learning everything. But for most children, they're going to be interested in certain things and not in others. And think of all those hours, really, of, I think of it as a bit of a judgment, wasted. I think all those hours for me wasted sitting in rooms, being told stuff they had absolutely no interest in, remember nothing about, felt bored. And boredom is actually a really uncomfortable mm. feeling of being, mm. being kind of forced to have information coming at us that we just have no interest in. It's really, really unenjoyable. So there's something about that, you know, we're still on point one. We could almost just this whole podcast be about <laughs> point one. I think that might be quite nice, isn't it? Like the desire, the desire to learn, each of us being so different in terms of, well, what do we want to learn about? Some people want to spend, we know, everyone's different. Some people want to learn about the details of leaves and plants and trees and other people would just be bored out of their minds, even if they needed to think about that for five minutes. And that is part of staying connected with the desire and ability to learn by us actually really following our child's leads, offering them lots of different opportunities, and then really, you know, following that like, oh, if you're if our child really loves that, how can we support them to have more of that? Do we want to go to the library or do we want to be going watching movies about that thing? Do we want to be having conversations with them about that thing? Do we want to support them in meeting other people that are interested in that same thing? So it's really, I mean, it's active in that trusting process, isn't it? It's like, okay, I can really see you love this. I'm, what can I do to support you in having more of that experience? Yeah, and what an amazing experience for our children as well to have that, to have that throughout their childhood, that deep trust and that desire to support them to explore whatever it is. And that allows them to stay so closely connected with their desires, with what they want, with what they need, with what they love. And then as a result of that, they grow up not having this disconnection from that. And I can see how that has affected me to feel so disconnected as a result of my schooling experience. I had no idea what I wanted. If people said to me, what do you want to do? when I just did whatever was expected of me because I had no connection to what I wanted. And it's taken 30 years post-school to reclaim that connection for myself. And I love that, you know, my children don't know what they want to do yet, but they also don't, you know, they don't worry about it. They're just alive and experiencing life. <laughs> And I I really see such a a powerful contrast between their experience and mine in that respect. It's huge, isn't it? And so many people in the world in a similar position to just really not know what they want to do. And by comparison, if we keep supporting them, yes, they might not know when they're 16 or 18 or whatever, but they they have that deep trust, don't they? And they know that they can just keep following and following and following and that it will become clearer and clearer and they will end up doing what they really want to be doing rather than doing stuff that, again, back in that, gosh, this is so boring. 
just mm. think of the amount of people that must be really bored. And again, I think there's so much healing required there. I know that for me, like if I was to join a course or something and I'm, I joined a Zoom or something and I just was, it was really not resonating with me. I would find that really hard to even sit with that for like 15 minutes now because I'm just, I'm, I'm not willing to be in learning or someone trying to tell me stuff if I have no interest in it. I just, and I think there's so many hurts there from the thousands of hours of being forced to do that, that I'm just mm. completely unwilling to do that to myself anymore. Yeah, I totally resonate with that as well. I've got, when I think about that feeling of being bored and being trapped and bored, because it's it's not just being bored, is it, at school? It's also the fact, and I mean, I know that mine was a bit of an extreme trap version because it was a boarding school, but it's still that uh, sense of being stuck, not being able to escape from what you're having to endure and that is just so soul-crushingly dull. And yeah, that and so now when I imagine that or when I am having experiences that I find boring, or you know, I, even when I think about the jobs that I've done, aspects of my jobs that I've done since I left school, some of it I've really enjoyed, but there's always been aspects of it that have been really boring. And I know that, yes, I've been pushed right back into those really painful feelings around boredom and that real like claustrophobic kind of, oh God, I got to get out of here. Ah, let me escape. <laughs> Stuff. And so I love that, you know, my kids just haven't had that. They've had like moments of that in their lives, but not hours and hours and days and days of it. Yeah. I really, I really like reclaiming these feelings like disappointment as well, but boredom to actually, I think again, in this culture is often seen like, oh, you're born. It's kind of like seen as a light thing, but it's really, really painful. And I think, as you say, combined with that sense of powerlessness as well, it's so excruciating. And what choice did we have back then? I'm thinking for myself, dissociating, doing little sketches and then not learning anything and then having a test and then doing terribly because I wasn't, because I was so bored, didn't want to listen to what being said I mean there's just no escape from it is there yeah. so I just think yeah to to support our children to to not be having to do stuff that they have no interest in so they don't actually have to feel bored they can feel enlivened and interested and curious and I see that continuing like my daughter is 20 still just following stuff that she's really curious in and does all kinds of things that have no no other purpose than actually her own enjoyment and you know she still likes creating tables and like categorizing things and just just because she loves to do it and I think how wonderful mm. how wonderful to just still be completely interest-led and passion-led yeah, I love that being motivated by the joy of things and just the enjoyment of it. And yeah, totally just having so many memories when I'm listening to you speaking around being at school and being stuck in double maths and just being like, oh God, please get me out of here. And I, yeah, I responded by messing around and having a laugh because I was so bored. And I, I think I can see now with an aware parenting lens, I was actually trying to release these feelings through laughter and through having fun. And then mm. I just always got into travel and it was you know, off to the headmaster's office again and, and doing really badly in all exams because I hadn't focused, I hadn't paid any attention. And that was that was like a criticism of me. And the implication was that I wasn't trying and I wasn't good. And actually, looking back with an aware parenting lens, I, I wasn't supported and I had big feelings, so I couldn't. I was actually unable to. But yes. then the consequences of doing badly in that stuff were 
really significant in that space because it is then loaded with all that judgment about, well, you're not good enough and you're not as good as so-and-so and you should be doing better. And I remember I was labeled as like a butterfly. You're a butterfly. You just flick around and just, you don't concentrate. You don't land anywhere for any length of time. You're always just messing about and flying around. And, and I just think, well, actually I really have amazing capacity to concentrate. And I always did have an amazing capacity to concentrate on things that were of interest to me. So it's such a different understanding instead of criticizing and and judging the child and blaming the child and making the child feel bad about the fact that they weren't concentrating. Instead, we are like really celebrating a child's connection to what does bring them joy and their, their willingness not to spend any time doing things that don't. What a wonderful way to live. Even though that at times that can be, we can feel frustrated as parents. I know there have been times in my parenting journey that I, just half jokingly, I've been thinking, I wish I'd just put in, done punishments and rewards. Yeah. And then I just say, just go and do the thing. And they would have done it because they would have been scared that I'd be punished. You know, sometimes I, would, I love, I was really wanting some cooperation, yes. <laughs> really met my need for ease, but of course not really. But, you know, it, it is, it does mean, yes, that we do have children, young people that are still connected with ourselves. And that can be also really painful for us in all the ways that we are not yet embodying that, all the ways that perhaps we're not listening to ourselves and perhaps mm-hmm. we are saying yes when it's a no. And, yeah, it's, it's a huge journey, isn't it, supporting our children in ways that we did not receive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've had those moments as well where – and there's moments as well where the resentment comes up where I think, you know, where I've said to my children – you know, come on, you you basically get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like, can you not, you don't, you have no idea how hard it was for me. I never got to do what, you know, and all of those horrible conversations when those feelings were coming up for me around all of this stuff. So yeah, it, it can be really hard. Yes. Mm, this podcast can be so great, isn't it? We're just going to also get to do more of our own healing and remember <laughs> more of those experiences. And we also want to send love to you. I think this is an ongoing journey of deconditioning ourselves and actually realizing we've been talking about this, actually the amount of trauma we did experience at school and just that in itself, like that actually boredom. Because again, we could say judge, your children get judged, don't they? Oh, you know, boredom's good for you. I hear that a lot, a lot in circles rather than actually boredom is really uncomfortable. And even just an hour sitting in a room being talked at, we can feel really, they can feel really powerless. So let's just, you know, we're, I'm, we're, we're sending you so much love if you're remembering some of that boredom, powerlessness, not getting to choose, being told loads of things that perhaps you had no interest in at all. And perhaps actually also giving up on, being interested in learning, disconnecting from that desire to learn because it's it has been associated with being punished, being shamed, being forced, all of that stuff. So, yeah, we're just sending you lots of love. Mm. And if you can hear Koyo, the puppy barking, she's sending you lots of love too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that what you were saying, how you expressed that, um, Marion, that disconnection from the desire and then the, the disconnection that comes from the, the ability as well to learn as a result of those feelings. Yeah, I think that's really powerful for people to, to understand. And, yeah, so, so much love to everybody who's – because I think all of us who are listening will have had many, many moments of feeling like that, feeling bored, feeling uninspired, feeling disconnected from our desires, feeling that we can't trust our our callings and our desires and, and our wishes and feeling disconnected from our ability to learn and therefore how well we were able to perform in things as well as how much pleasure we got out of doing it, of course. Yeah. 
yes, yes. So perhaps that might be something you might want to reflect on over the next coming days. You might even want to go and have a look at Aletha's principles of learning. We might even go through each one. Who knows? But just yeah, particularly with the, the desire and the ability to learn, you might even want to notice in your life where where that shows up, either the desire and the ability or lack of desire or knowing what you want to you're interested in or thinking that you can't do something or you can't learn how to do something. I know that's certainly come up for me in pottery lessons. Old feelings and old thoughts are in relation to, I can't do this, and how painful and frustrating that was. So yeah, you might want to reflect on that. And yeah. Do you have Do you have anything that you want to invite? Well, I wonder if people also might want to reflect on their children and what have a look at your children, whether they're at home with you or whether they're at school and what what do they love? What do they really love doing? What what lights them up with joy? What do they enjoy learning and exploring? And what how can you watch them and enjoy watching them in that process? And also to think about the ways that they are um, so skilled. What what are their learning styles? What are their what are their forms of intelligence? What what are their favorite ways to explore things and to learn things? And then the deeper our understanding is of those two things, the easier it is for us to support them in that process. And rather than thinking, how can I teach my child to learn maths? It's more about what does my child love? How do they learn best? And how can I support them in that process? Oh, I love that. What does my child love? How do they learn best? Best, And how can I support them in that process? That could almost be like the whole mantra of a hawk, and it's beautiful. I love that. Mm. Thank you. And you know, I feel so much joy just as you even sharing and talking about that, the invitation to connect into what does your child love and how do they love to learn and to observe that process. I feel full of joy. And I think there is something innately joyful about a child or any age person being connected with that desire and actually getting supported in following that and being able to do that. It's, it's, it's to me, just like one of the most naturally joyful things we can experience. And it's so lovely for us to see our children in that, in that state, in that really lovely state of joy as they are exploring something. And, you know, we all see that in our kids, don't we? When they're maybe they're with their toys and they're building something out of Lego and they're making this amazing creation and then they're bringing it to show you and you get to love and watch and just, oh, celebrate everything that they're doing. And you just, you look at them and you just think, oh my God, I love you so much. I could just eat you. (laughs) And I mean, that's such a nice process. So yeah, more of that is, is yummy. And that's what I think, don't you, that Aware Parenting and Natural Learning together really support more and more and more of that experience where we are seeing them in that joy Mm. and we're experiencing that joy of witnessing them and we're inspired to live our lives in the same way. Yeah, and even things like, you know, doing regular special time with your children where you're giving them the lead would be a really lovely opportunity for you to just observe in that process what is it that they're wanting to do? And, and they're showing you the way, they're playing something and they're exploring something and they're enjoying something and you just come along for the ride and you're there giving them presence and love. And- yeah. Do you know what, Joss, I'm realising I thought we needed to finish it in three minutes, which is why I was going towards the end and I realised that we actually don't. So that's why I was going towards the end, but we can keep talking. How, where, where are you at? with? Yeah, uh, well, should we go on to number two then? We could just apologies. do a couple. My apologies. You probably were like, why is she, talk- why is she talking about those questions? <laughs> well, I don't know. Do we want to stay? I, I think this one's so rich. Do okay. we want to stay here for a bit longer? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What else were you thinking? You might want to say? <laughs> oh, <now laughs> kind of, the conversations come to us. Yes. Maybe it's come to that, the end of that. 
Well, this one flows really nicely on, doesn't it? If we did go to number two, children learn best when the learning is self-initiated, arising from their own curiosity and interest rather than imposed on them. They benefit from an approach that allows choices and self-direction. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is so well met at home doing natural learning and it's so hard to meet this second principle in a school environment because if you've got 30 kids in a classroom, how can you possibly allow each child to self-initiate what they're learning to allow their learning to be arising from their own individual curiosity and their unique interests? There has to be imposition of learning in order for it to work. And there's very little choice and self-direction. I mean, I remember at school, I really wanted to do biology, English and French and economics I don't know. I just, that's what I was interested in doing. And I wasn't, I couldn't do it together because there was a timetable clash. <laughs> it's just so, I mean, that was just a silly little example of how I had no choice and I did, I wasn't allowed choice or self-direction in what I, what I did. So yes, I mean, it's, it does flow on really nicely from what we've been talking about already, but it requires us again to be deeply trusting and that our children have the ability and the desire to learn so that we can support them to self-initiate what they do. We can support them to stay deeply connected to their own curiosity and their own interests. And we can resist the temptation that we that arises frequently to impose learning on them. And I remember some of the hardest moments in homeschooling are when like the homeschool moderator was coming and I was like, right, sit down. Everyone's got to do some writing. You've got to do some math. Uh, Yeah. So the more trusting we are, the easier it is to just allow the process to unfold in its own perfect natural timing rather than to impose our desires about learning on them. And then our children do stay deeply connected to their choices and they are able to uh, decide for themselves what they want to do. Mm, exactly. And I remember those moments too, just before the moderator visits and that. And again, the more I understand that now, really seeing how much of my own trauma and my own conditioning was coming up, basically my fear that if they didn't do what was required in inverted commas, that that's, you know, that would be really painful. And my own stuff would come up so often. And each year there would be less and less and less as the more I healed until the last one. I was like, no, <laughs> none. And I think that happened for you a lot quicker. And just really, again, thinking about what that is like for them. And I, I think the really helpful thing to know that, yes, we can do that and have those things show up for us and it to be such a small amount compared to what they might experience in a school that it doesn't actually still get in the way that there's, you know, it's some small mini traumas around our responses to coerce them to do stuff they don't want to do, yeah. have no interest in compared to actually being, you know, embedded in that day in, day out. You know, I, I see that. It had a bit of an impact, but quite small compared to the impact it had on me. Yeah, and the times that we did do it, the times <laughs> when we when we said to children, you know, you must sit down and do this particular activity now because we have to show it to somebody else, always also had a conversation around it, either at the time or afterwards, where we were explaining what was going on and why we were in this position. And those conversations also allowed me to get so much clarity about it too because I would say initially, you have to do this because this is what's required of us and if the moderator comes and they're not happy with what we're doing then they can force you to go to school as a way of coercing through fear to get them to do it and also because like you say it was bringing up my fear around you know I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not seen to be doing this properly and then as so I got a deeper understanding of what was going on I got I got to connect in with those 
parts of younger parts of me that were experiencing some of those sensations and, and feelings. And I got to explain to my children. And then it also brought up lots of stuff for me as well around hating the fact that I felt like I had to kind of lie or embellish what we were doing in order to make it justifiable to the system and to so that they could then tick the boxes. And I really got clear that I was not willing to suggest to my children that the way we were spending our time and the way that they were learning and the life that they were living was somehow inferior to the life that they were going to be having if they were at school. And so that was a really powerful moment as well for me when I stopped doing that around the moderator visit because I was able to say and show to my children, actually, I love what we're doing. I love our life. I see you thriving. I'm so amazed by the things that you learn and the passions that you have. And I'm just not willing for us to tick boxes anymore. And so it was really powerful to, to have the moderator come, having not had those conversations once I had deconditioned that, and to say to the moderator, it's lovely Lovely to see you, which was a total lie, but, you know, lovely to see you. Although that one of our moderators was actually really, really awesome. Um, you know, come in, have a cup of tea, let's have a chat. And I haven't prepared anything because, as you know, we're natural learning and that's what we really love and what we really value. And I'll, we can talk about what we've been up to. And then if you want to, you can make that fit in your boxes. And so that was a really powerful thing for my children to witness too, that transformation in me to go from being frightened and yeah, connecting in with those younger parts around it all to feeling, no, I'm really, I'm really happy and I'm really proud to, to share what we do and to do it in a way that shows a deep love and celebration of our life. So celebrate that you did that. It's so amazing. I'm very impressed. You know, the way I see it is in a way that that for me, what the journey became over the years is rather than for me bringing in my own conditioning and bringing in the the perceptions of the border studies and kind of imposing that on my children's lives, not all the time, just usually for the bits of time before each visit, the rest of the time we ignored it, but actually taking that line and becoming the, like, I will take this, I will have these interactions with the moderators and I, the, I draw the line so it's no longer, I'm no longer willing for that to be affecting my children. So for me, that, that was a really powerful thing to, to really have this clear thing, like I'm, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to have these conversations with the Board of Studies rather than I'm going to be willing for all this stuff and pain and coercion and judgment, all of it to be in the field of my family. I know wow. that's a bit esoteric, but it was, yeah, that, that was my sense. Like, yeah, no more. Wow. So liberating for your children, Marion. So amazing. And it's so hard because it is like so deeply conditioned into us so deeply. And we're surrounded by all of those messages, aren't we? Yeah. And we're being judged and evaluated by people who are, I mean, our, our homeschool moderator is homeschools his children. So he does understand the joy and benefit of homeschooling although they have quite a different style of homeschooling, but, you know, it still comes from a place of valuing it. But mostly we're being judged by people who, who have no awareness or understanding at all that learning looks anything different than being in a classroom and that that would be the best way to learn and that if you're not doing that, then you're replicating that in some way at home. So it is a really difficult process. Yes. 
I think for, for us to really be accentuating that this is not an easy process. We're, we're literally deconditioning. It's like a nice word, isn't it? We're deconditioning, but it's at times when I have found it excruciatingly uncomfortable as part of that. It's like almost like uh, this glue that is stuck and like pulling it away. And I remember some of my most painful parenting moments were those times before the border studies and I felt so all those feelings from my own school trauma coming up, the powerlessness and the fear, and then that showing up in coercion or power over or reactivity to my children. And then that glue of just in, in increasingly seeing that and being unwilling for that to happen. Mm. But it, it was it was a really big and painful process at times to literally yeah, pull that glue away and to go, yeah, no, 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 I don't believe this. Because it is, I mean, the schooling itself, hundreds of years, but, you know, some of these core beliefs about children, they're thousands of years old. So this is a big process. So I, I also want to say to everyone listening, like, this is not a just like, we'll click our fingers and we'll just go, yes, we're going to practice aware parenting and natural learning in both aware parenting and natural learning. These are, this is not the way that the, what I call the disconnected domination culture sees anything. So it's a huge mammoth process. And I think that's why we talk so much about getting support and having listening and meeting up with like-minded folk because it is essential and it is so normal and natural that on that journey, we have a lot of big feelings showing up. Mm. It's just huge. Yeah, absolutely. And big feelings about lots and lots of different things from our school trauma. But I think, yeah, certainly my most painful times in parenting has been when I've gone into judgment of myself, comparison to others, or, or sort of criticism of not doing it well enough, not being good enough. And that has then been really excruciatingly painful for me and has really impacted in, in those moments on, on how I was parenting my children. And that all of those things came entirely from school trauma. And I see how deeply that school trauma around comparison, competition, judgment has really impacted my life and continues to impact my life. And that's that's where it came from. It, the more aware of that I get and the more deconditioning I do around that, the more clear I am that I really, really want my children's life to be as free as I can in one generation from self-judgment from criticism of self, from comparison of themselves to other people and that their value is quantifiable and any of those things, I just see so much power in them being as free as I have been able to support them to be, given the deep, deep pain and trauma that I experienced around that. Yeah, I'm so with you, Joss, and I'm sending so much love to you and so celebrate you. And I think I think we've both done amazingly, don't you? I mean, I, I still see some ways that there's some of that for my children, but compared to me, it's just like so little. Like I see so little or no comparison, no, none of that kind of competition stuff happening. Mm -hmm. No, like, you know, so-and-so's doing something. I just see none of that. And, mm -hmm. and that's just amazing, isn't it? That it is possible to make huge changes, as well as to be deeply compassionate towards ourselves when we see ways that we have passed things down, because they also are living in the culture too. So it's not just us that's influencing them. Yeah. And this is such a powerful, powerful message that is being shouted loud in our culture around this, the need to judge each other, the need to criticize each other, the need to compare, the need to always be, you know, competing with others. It's such a huge 
powerful pressure that our children are exposed to no matter where they are. So even if we're keeping them out of the system, the school system, they're still subjected to that in, in so many ways through this, through social media, for example, through, you know, through lots and lots of different things. So it is inevitable that some of that is going to be passed down to them. But just to have any awareness of that alone as, as a child, that this is that you're being subjected to that and that this ha- it causes you to have feelings. Is, is incredible because I've, I've only been aware of it really for a couple of years. So for them to already be aware of that and to have the that space to be able to express any feelings that come up for them around that and to have that lovingly heard by us and to have that released through laughter and play and connection with us around feelings that might be coming up about that. What an incredible and different and liberating experience for them. Yes, and thinking the word liberating, so liberating. I can feel the sigh of relief that, you know, it takes, it's, it's so much longer and harder to get free from deconditioning than it is to not experience it in the first place, isn't it? And I think that's part of the gift of aware printing and natural learning together is yes, they are still going to experience hurts and mini trauma and larger trauma. We are going to do whatever we can to to support them in healing from that. And in the, with the natural learning aspect, we they are experiencing in general, they are going to experience less trauma in the first place and less conditioning that they then need to get free of or if they want to later on in life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, maybe that's something else that we could invite people to reflect on as we're finishing this one about, you know, what is it that your children love to do and how might you be able to support their curiosity and their interests and allow them more choice and more self-determination whether they're at school or whether they're at home, but to support them to have more direction or and at least an acknowledgement of the fact that they have choices and an acknowledgement that they might be having to do things that they don't want to do and finding other ways to compensate for that in allowing them choice and autonomy elsewhere in their lives if they are at school. Yes. And perhaps also noticing that if you are ever noticing that you are wanting to coerce your child and whether if they are at school, like to do their homework or to do to take up a particular subject or do a sport or learn a particular musical instrument. And that to actually also see if you are willing to reflect in or go to an empathy buddy and actually look at where that might be coming from and whether it has its roots in your own experiences at school. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I had a beautiful conversation on my podcast with Alfie Cohen, and he was talking about like unconditional love for our children and how we all think that we want to love our children unconditionally, but is it actually received as unconditional? And the first step in that process is for us to explore, like, is it really unconditional? Or do we love our children more when they're doing well at something and when they're performing well in a test? Or can we love them when they're making mistakes in, in exactly the same way to the same degree? So yes, that reflection process can be so helpful for us and often with a listening partner to to explore what's coming up for us around that and around our children's learning. Yes, and maybe even just to notice when we, when any of these things, when we kind of feel tight around any of this, like if they're wanting to learn something and we, and we, anytime we kind of reacting in relation to any of these things about their learning, what they want to learn, what they don't want to learn, what they're doing, what they're not doing is, is to notice that then if that tightness probably is um, coming from something in our past that needs some loving listening. Mm. And what a gift that is as well in the process such a gift (laughs) although it'd be nice sometimes to not go and revisit any of it because it's painful (laughs) you just have an extraction device that just kicks it all out suck out the pain yes (laughs) all gone (laughs) 
uh, whoever invents that will probably be a gazillionaire. Yeah, my son did a, a drawing of it Ooh, when he was little of this yes. extraction machine that took out your sads and angries. He was probably about five or six at the time when he used to draw these amazing things and invent all these amazing devices. So we need to revisit that one and see if we can make a prototype. <laughs> Maybe we can have an aware parenting version one that just kind of speeds up the whole process so you yep. can just catch up with 20 years and. <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> whilst also still listening to all the feelings and all the younger parts and having them all still you know knowing that they're all going to be heard and none of them are going to get forgotten or left out or any of that and I think that's often such a process isn't it how do we how do we really support our healing process in a way that we're really honoring and acknowledging all that we did experience so we're not you know those parts really I think need acknowledgement that's my mm-hmm. sense whilst also facilitating the most ease in the healing process <laughs> yeah yes it's a it's a lot to be holding in at times isn't it it's a lot. Yeah. yeah and I just yeah really support like I really celebrate everybody who is able and willing to explore these things and um, especially if your children aren't at school and you are having them at home with you and doing this natural learning and the, the trust that that requires us to to tap into time and time again so beautiful so yeah. beautiful so so beautiful mm, I have a puppy being brought to me uh, oh, lovely I think we are are we are we nearly at the end now Josh? I think we are absolutely do you is there anything that you are I know you're doing your amazing loving limits workshops at the moment is there anything around that that Aww. you'd like to share Thank you. Well, yeah, the workshops today, so by the time this is out, that will have already happened. But I, I did have the calling. I so enjoyed creating it. And as always, creating new things, getting clearer and clearer. So I'm actually going to make a like a little uh, self-study version of that. So keep wow. an eye out for that if you're interested and want to dive in more to Loving Limits. And we could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't we, in really yes. differentiating aware parenting and natural learning from radical unschooling, for example. Yeah, beautiful. And what about you, Jocelyn? You have a couple of beautiful offerings, I know. <laughs> well, I have the Exploring Aware Parenting Community with the amazing, wonderful Danny Willow, who is just the embodiment of aware parenting. And I love how she how she explains things and how, how she is practicing this in her family with her beautiful girls. So, yes, that is starting on the 1st of October. So the doors will close on the 30th of September, I think. So there's a couple more weeks to come and join. So that's on my website under community. And I'm almost ready to launch. I know I've been saying this for weeks, but my Aware Parenting Teenagers course is pretty much ready to go. I'm just having some issues with people trying to hack into my website. So I'm just trying to resolve the security issues. And then hopefully in the next few days, I will be ready to launch that. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah, all things aware parenting, all things yummy teens. Mm, I'm so excited about both of those offerings. I think they're amazing. So I recommend everybody who's listening to come and do both. If you've got a teenager, to do the teenagers one, but both of them. And I so agree with you about Danny and all that she offers. You two together. Oh my gosh, amazing! <laughs> what a, what a blessing well thank you so much all for listening we're we're so glad that you're here thank you for being with us on this journey and um if you've enjoyed it come and listen to the next one yes sending so much love to everybody Mm, yay lots and lots of love we have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too we are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information to find out more about marion's work you can go to marionrose.net 
And for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures. Mm -hmm.